Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Guess what we're going to talk about today? Jesus. You know, I was going to say Venetian hand-blown glass, but... I think we should talk about Jesus instead. But before we talk about Jesus, we have some people to welcome into our space. So can we give a round of applause for our newcomers and people who haven't been here for a very long time? Let's give a round of applause. If you've been uh, at Church of Rock for any length of time, you'll notice that uh, we're a pretty eccentric church, pretty quirky, and uh, there's not a lot of churches like us, so the fact that you're coming in, checking us out, that really means a lot to us, so thank you. And if you, if you don't mind me saying uh, something kind of obvious, a lot of people who come to this church profess to be Christians, they say they, they walk with Jesus, but we know in a group this size, not everyone uh, believes in God, and uh, I just want to let you know that no matter where you fall on that spectrum, you belong here. And this is one of these crazy places, church is one of these crazy places where you can come, virtually believe almost nothing that we believe and still belong because you are made in the image and likeness of God. And if you're here and you're figuring out out this whole God thing, that's okay. So are we. You belong here. So thank you so much for coming today. And so I... uh, what, you're probably wondering, you're a bit confused, where's Pastor Mark, who is this guy on stage, who am I? You know, I ask myself that question uh, every morning, sometimes I get a good answer, sometimes I don't, but my name is Matthew, like was said before, I am the youth director here, I work with the junior highs and senior high youth, and we have a great youth team, we do that every week, and it's, uh, it's incredible, and as that's my job, I get to see how students um, develop their faith in Christ, and sometimes they don't develop their faith in Jesus. And uh, I often say that, um, you know, youth ministry is one of the most rewarding, but also heartbreaking things that I do. But I absolutely love it. And I'm, a, I'm just a big kid. So I'll be doing it for a while, I think. And so what I want to share with you t- this morning is some of the things I've discovered as a youth worker. I noticed that students who construct their ideas of Jesus, uh, how, that, how they do that is inextricably linked to their faith and how it how it uh, turns out later on, whether it's vibrant or maybe they don't walk with Jesus after that. So that's what I want to do with you, show you a few of these constructions of Jesus. So this is what I've entitled the message for today, and that is make your own Messiah. Make your own Messiah. How many of you like to make your own things? Oh, okay. Yeah, there probably should be a little bit more. I think we like to make our own things, right? We like to make our own stir-fry. We go to Mongo's. We like to make our own toys. We, we give our kids Lego. We like to make our own furniture. We go to Ikea. We like to make our own family. You know where I'm going with this. We like to make our own things. And imagine if God came to you this one time and said, okay, you get to make your own religion. Wouldn't that be interesting? And uh, I know this one pastor who said, if I were to make my own religion, it would be salvation. You can go to heaven through napping and chicken wings. Mm. <laughs> Sign me up. There's another, there's another religion called pastafarianism, and you go to heaven by just not being too religious. And the final one is being a dudist, and that is just going with the flow. That's how you get to heaven. How many of you guys think that those would be good religions to follow? Those would, those would thrive. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
Well, it's interesting when we create our own religion, that question, because I think we're inspired by something beautiful, but we come up with something different. It's kind of like those Pinterest fails that you see on Pinterest, where you have this beautiful depiction of this cake or something, and then you make it yourself, and it comes out horrific. And I think religion is a little bit like that. See, there's lots of things in our lives that if we make it ourselves, it turns out well. But if you try to make your own religion by yourself, if you try to make your own Messiah yourself, it's a recipe for disaster. And so what we're going to do is going to look at the, our tendency to create Jesus in our own likeness. It was Jared Douglas that said, God said that let us make man in our own image. And then God said, then man said, let's make God in our image. And we're going to look at our proclivity to that. And so I don't want you to have any sort of misunderstandings about Jesus. Hopefully we'll be nice and clear about who Jesus is. That's hopefully with zero misunderstandings. It's kind of like this Tibetan monk, the story of this devout Tibetan monk who wanted to perform this ritual to see who the true God was. And so what he did, it was a little unconventional. He created this massive cauldron and took lots of butter and dumped it in. There's, you have to go all these different places, grab margarine, put it in all the way to the top set it on fire, let it come to a broil. He said a prayer and looked inside. And do you know what he saw? Jesus. And you know what he said? I can't believe it's not Buddha. It's a margarine joke. (laughs) You don't have to laugh, it's a bad joke. All right, I'm going to give you a $5 uh, idea here, and that's called apathetic theology, also known as negative theology. And when depicting and displaying the character of God, sometimes he is he's so different, he's so other than us, it sometimes helps, be, helps us to visualize him by showing what he's not like in order to see clearly what he is like. It's kind of like if you get a, a diamond and you want to look at it, you have this black background so you can see all the different facets of the diamond. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a black backdrop, all the Jesuses that are made up by us, but then three facets of Jesus's character that will help you in having a vibrant faith with him. All right. So I'll give you the three facets right away. The first one is Jesus is fully human. Second one is Jesus is fully God. And the third is Jesus is full of forgiveness. So let's give you this backdrop to the first facet. You know, as a student worker, I see students come up with so many different versions of who they think Jesus is. And the first one I want to show you about is Genie Jesus. Maybe you've come across this sort of Jesus before, where Jesus' only really goal is to fulfill your wishes. And all you got to do is just rub the lamp. Sorry. Pray the prayer, and he'll give you whatever you want. There's even scripture to back this up. It says, you know, ask the Lord anything without any doubt in your heart, and he'll surely give it to you. And I had a student come up to me and says, so does that mean if I pray for a Lamborghini, then God's got to give it to me? I was like, hmm, I don't know about a Lamborghini, but ask for a $20 million jet plane, and he might give you that, because I've seen that work before. Just joking. And so this genie of the lamp, Jesus... As soon as it doesn't, he doesn't give you what you want, then you throw him out. Which brings us to our next one, which is guardian angel Jesus. And this is a depiction of Jesus who is there simply to guard you from all pain and all tragedy. It's his job to do that. In fact, if you're a Christian, if you go to church, you read your Bible, you're nice to other people. It's Jesus' job to shield you. And in fact, 
If you're, the even more devout you are, the more protection he's going to give you. You're not going to get any car crashes. You're going to get some financial uh, support. You're not going to have the bald spot in the back of your head. You're not going to have any illnesses of any kind. My question to you, are Christians exempt from tragedy? No. And as soon as we go through something painful, then we just let God go. And I see this so many times, people leaving the faith just because they've gone through something hard. And then the next Jesus is superhero Jesus. And I don't know if you've seen this superhero Jesus before, but this is, people think this is a pretty good depiction of Jesus. He's kind of like Superman. He's all-powerful, you know. But here's, here's the problem. If Jesus is like a superhero, like Superman, you know, he looks like a human, talks like a human, smells like a human, but really is alien. When Jesus went through the suffering, when he went through the betrayal, when he went through the temptations, when he went through the pain of life, then I guess it's not that big of a deal because that's what superheroes do. Turn on, flick on the God mode and just go through whatever pain that life has for you. And so we're not taken to the depth of of the sacrifice that Jesus has given to us. Jesus is fully human. And I want to show us um, a depiction, not a depiction, but how Jesus is fully human in Scripture. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew 4. If you don't, you can also follow on screen. But as you're doing that, I'll give you a little bit of background to Matthew 4. Jesus hasn't started his um, ministry yet. But he's been baptized by John the baptizer. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And the Father said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. So here we are, Matthew 4. This is literally the next chapter. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Okay, so Jesus is having a, a car, carving some crepes here. You can give me an amen if you've ever had that experience. And next is, during that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, Do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If Jesus is a superhero, is this really all that hard? And how do you depict this Scene Because how we depict the scene shows more about Jesus' humanity. How does the, sh- the devil show up in your mind? Does he go, poof, shows up with a black robe, looking ugly, r- wringing his hands like this. Oh, I'm going to tempt Jesus now. Because how tempting is it? If anyone came up to you and tried to tempt you like that, would you feel like, okay, you know, what would you do? Would you feel tempted? Probably not. See, the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this world. Do you know any princes? You know, if you, let me refresh your memory. I'm going to show you a few princes to show you what princes act like. Here's the first prince, and it's Prince William and Prince Harry. They're in their regalia looking pretty fly. And speaking of fly, here's the fresh prince of Bel Air. Okay, looking pretty good. Uh, the next one is the prince of Zamunda. Not actual prince, but uh, looking pretty princely. And the last one is the artist formerly known as Prince. Are you starting to get an idea how the princes of this world show up and display themselves? So I highly doubt that the the devil came to Jesus ugly 
and humbly. In my mind, I see him showing up with his entourage, maybe coming in with the chariot, stepping out with flowing garbs, with intricate patterns, encrusted with precious stones, and with eating some delicacy, maybe a, a grapes or sushi or caramel macchiato. You take your pick. And there he is, about to have a conversation, and he realizes Jesus doesn't have anything to eat. So, Jesus, why don't you go and make some food for yourself? And Jesus could have done that, but he didn't abuse his power. And there it was, this picture of the devil having everything, and it looks like Jesus has nothing. We continue on in Matthew in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said... If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So I don't know how they got to the top of the temple. Maybe they got into the chariot and zoomed him there. And there the devil was in Jesus. And the devil's like, Okay, Jesus, there might be some debate whether or not you're the Messiah. People might argue about this thing. Let's make it easier for everyone to know that you are who you say you are, the Son of God. Why don't you just jump off the temple and all the Pharisees that are here, all the important people, all the religious leaders can see you go and be swept up by the angels and gently put on the ground. How's that idea for you, Jesus? How many of us have seen a legitimate shortcut that the Lord didn't want us to take, but we were tempted to take it anyways? But Jesus held his resolve. And here's the last temptation, which I think is the most interesting one of them all. It's in verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So again, the devil and Jesus on top of a mountain. I like to think, you know, I have Google Earth on your an app on your phone. I feel like the devil might have done something similar to that, where he scrolled through all the nations, all the tribes. All the tongues started zooming in on villages and cities and the families and the sons and the daughters, the mothers, the fathers, and said, okay, Jesus, I know you and your father have some plan, but you know, the father, he does things so hard. I'm a solutions guy. And so I like to do things easier, have shortcuts. So what I can do for you is you say you love them. Okay, great. So I will give it all to you if you just do something so, so simple. Bow down and worship me. How many of us have been tempted again? Something passionate in our hearts, and we knew we could get to somewhere, but that shortcut was not what God wanted us, wanted for us. But Jesus didn't take the bait. And if we think of Jesus like a superhero, like what, what's going on here? He's, he's hungry, he's tired, the angels need to come and feed, uh, care for him. What's going on? Because Jesus is full of. Uh, He's fully human. And what this means for us, that if you're going through pain right now, you realize that the guardian angel, Jesus, does not exist because you're going through pain right now, you can go to our high priest who is able to sympathize with whatever you have because he was tempted in all things and did not sin. That is the power of Jesus' 
humanity. Don't mistake Jesus' humanity. Which reminds me of my buddy Johnny. Johnny is a legend of a man, but he is known for misunderstanding so many situations. He came up to me and said, you know that Jesus speaks with the lisp. I'm like, no, he doesn't speak with the lisp. He's like, really? I'm like, really? He's like, whoa, such a slap in the face. Oh, come on now. A bad joke. And he also said, you, you, know, you know what? Jesus also drove a car. You know what kind of car he drove? I'm like, what? A Chrysler? Oh, that's another bad one too. But let me tell you the, the pinnacle. The pinnacle of misunderstandings by my buddy Johnny. I was sitting down with him uh, having coffee. And I noticed he had a big shiner on his, uh, on his eye. He had a black eye. I said, Johnny, what happened to you? Tell me the story. He said, you will not believe this, Matthew. You know, I, I was at a family dinner. And my sister-in-law, she stood up, and she had a wedgie in her dress. So I thought, thought I'd be helpful, and I pulled it out and fixed it for her. She turned around, cracked me in the face. Hmm, guess that would do it. The next week, I'm hanging out with Johnny, and I notice not one black eye, but two black eyes. And I go, Johnny, what's going on? These things look fresh. What's the story? He's, Matthew, you will not believe. I, I thought I did the right thing. Okay, I was at my family dinner again. And this time my sister-in-law stood up and she had a wedgie in her dress. But I didn't do anything about it. I did the right thing. But then her husband came over and fixed it for her. And I said, no, 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 no. She doesn't like that. So I shoved it back in. (laughs) Do not misunderstand. (laughs) Jesus is humanity. Which brings us to our second point, which is Jesus is fully God. Let me give you this backdrop that I see from students. Some students see Jesus kind of flowery. They see him like a flowery Jesus. And that's, you've seen images of him like this before, where he's kind of tiptoeing through the tulips. He's talking to woodland creatures. It'll, it'll come up in just a moment. There it is, flowery Jesus. And he's the most like a Disney princess we've ever seen him, right? Like, it's hard to take this sort of flowery Jesus all that seriously. Which brings to the next Jesus, which is Guru Jesus. And I'm sure you know a lot of people who view Jesus like this, where Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just, you know, he had a few philosophies that were really, really good. Some of them, eh, not so good. So you know what we'll do is, some of them are suggestions, other ones we'll take. It's okay. It's Guru Jesus. And then the last one is Buddy Jesus. And I'm sure you've seen this picture of him before. And in North America, a lot of us view Jesus like this, where all we have to do is believe in him, say sorry every once in a while, and we're good, right? Jesus is like, okay, did you say sorry? Great. What was that? Oh, you plan on doing it again, you have no remorse, and you don't feel bad about it? But were you sorry, though? Oh, you are? Then that's okay. Don't worry about it. And as ridiculous as a Jesus as this may be, it happens all the time. And in fact, when I was in high school, that's how I viewed Jesus. I figured I just had to believe in him and he would just wink at my sin. And I didn't realize that I was building my house on the sand. And that really, Jesus wanted so much more from me and I needed to obey him because he was fully God. And we can see God's, uh, see Jesus's God-like qualities in Mark 4. And this is... Um, starting in verse 38. And Jesus is caught in a storm with his disciples. And there's a bunch of different boats happening and looks like they're about to drown. We're going to pick up in verse 38. 
Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds, the wind and the waves obey him. Might be a silly question for you, but why did the winds and the waves obey Jesus? Oh, we got it right from the get-go. But you see, they obeyed Jesus because they recognized his voice. They, as Jesus said, silence be still, they said, oh, I've heard this voice before. It was in the beginning of time, and it created me and told me what to do. I better obey. And if G- unlike other gurus and prophets and teachers of this world, Jesus distinguishes himself by saying he is creator God. And if he is creator God, are his lessons merely suggestions? Are his lessons fall out of date? Do we pick which ones we like and then throw out the rest? I don't think so. And it might mean that you and I might be sinning in ways that we may, may, not, even be, may not even consider. Which brings us to our last and final point. That Jesus is full of forgiveness. Let me give you the backdrop of the Jesuses I see about this. And the, and the first one here is the stoic Jesus. It's the dinner plate Jesus, as I like to call him, as you'll see. And it's this Jesus that's washed clean of all personality and character. And it's hard to imagine this sort of Jesus being interested in your day-to-day life. He's probably doing, so, doing something a little more important than listening to your prayers. So pray to somebody else, maybe. And then the second one is Drill Sergeant Jesus. And if you've been in a conservative Christian home before, you'd have a taste of this type of Jesus. Jesus' only job as a drill sergeant is to give you the rules to follow and to only step in to punish you. That's why you got that speeding ticket last week, because you didn't pay your tithe and God is going to take it from you no matter what. And this drill sergeant Jesus is there to make you a respectable church member. You're going to be proper. You're going to be respectable in this church, a respectable Christian. And he's going to do it through coercion, uniformity, and has nothing to do with your heart, which leads us to the last one. Judge Jesus, which I like to call Judge Judy Jesus. And it's just a depiction of Jesus where he stands up, where he's sitting on a throne, looks down at the world and sees certain people. Oh, these people... They're living a good life. They're doing things as I want them to do. They're, they're worth more to me. They have more value to me. And these other ones, well, they're making mistakes. They're lying. They're cheating. They're going, you know, getting sent to jail. Mm, they're not as worth to me. They don't have as much value to me. And Jesus, believe it or not, addresses this type of dichotomy in scripture, and we see it with the immoral woman. And this is our last piece of scripture here in Luke 7, and we're going to start uh, in verse 41. But let me set it up for you. An immoral woman comes into a Pharisee's house because she knows that Jesus is eating there, and she does something very uncomfortable. She goes down on her knees and starts crying and washing Jesus' feet with her hair. 
okay? And if that's not enough, she takes out some massaging oil and starts massaging his feet and then begins to kiss it. Now, if, if that's not making you feel awkward, just imagine someone coming and do that to you right now. Like, ooh, that tickles, right? Like, that would be an awkward thing to happen. And the Pharisee, the religious leader of the time, looks over at Jesus and, and thinks, this guy's a phony. If he knew the type of woman that was doing this to him, he would be embarrassed. He must not be a respectable church member. And Jesus, knowing his heart, says this, tells a story to Simon. And G- verse 41, then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answers, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Now, verse 47. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So, she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows uh, Forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the women, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? Not respectable. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Jesus talks to this Pharisee and has this conversation. He says, okay, Mr. Pharisee, Mr. Religious Leader guy, we're, we have these two categories, and we have the immoral woman. And the two categories, categories are debt, that's 500 pieces of silver, or 50. Which one does the immoral woman belong in? It's pretty easy, right? She's, she's over there. He even says in the Bible, she was immoral. And then he, then he asks the Pharisee, which one do you belong into? And the Pharisee, of course, would be like, oh, you know, I'm not perfect, but I was maybe forgiven the the 50 pieces of silver. But if the Pharisee knew Jesus' teachings, he would realize that he's actually doing something called pride, which is one of the worst sins of them all. In fact, he should have been in the 500 pieces of silver because he should have loved Jesus more. It's like the parable when Jesus says there was a tax collector and a Pharisee in the temple to pray, but only one left justified, and that was the tax collector. So then, my next question is, which category do you belong in? Which one do I belong in? And I'm going to tell you, I think we all belong in the 500 pieces of silver. None of us can pay back the debt that we have God. But some of you might be thinking, I'm not that bad of a person. You know, maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect or anything, but maybe I'm over here. And if that's you, let me implore you to think differently. Because who did Jesus come for? The sick or the healthy? The broken or the whole? The lost or the found? I want Jesus to come for me. And I want Jesus to come for you. I want to say, Jesus, hi, um, I'm broken. I'm sick. I am not healthy. I need you to come for me. I used to think I was pretty special, but now I realize that's just pride. Would you come and save me from myself? And just like that, your Redeemer, your Savior, your Creator comes in full of forgiveness. And that's the gospel. That you and I are way more messed up than we think we are, 
but we are loved more deeply than you could ever imagine. And that Jesus loved us so much that he came and died for us on the cross and rose again. Whoever believes in him has eternal life and you could have a relationship with him right now into eternity. And so, if you're here and thinking like, oh, I don't know if I even believe in the historicity of of Jesus, come and talk to me after. There's lots of evidence to show that he did what he said he did, and he is alive, and he's pursuing you and me. Do not misunderstand his humanity. Do not misunderstand his divinity. Do not misunderstand his passion for you and me. Don't misunderstand his forgiveness. Don't make your own Messiah, because let the scripture show you who Jesus is crystal clear, because he wants you and me to know him, live free and define purpose all we got to do is let him work amen let's stand together if you can do me a favor we're just going to give all of us a, a chance to respond here and if you could bow your head and close your eyes I don't want to single anyone out and I want to give them a chance to respond if you're here and um you haven't started to follow Jesus Or maybe you slipped away and you need to come back. And I know that it might seem offensive to say that you're more messed up than you think you are, but you were loved deeper than you could ever imagine. But if you look at it in its entirety, it's a beautiful thing. You don't have to rely on yourself. You can rely on your creator, God. If you're here and you're wanting to start to follow Jesus today or you've slipped away, and you want to come back, all I want you to do is just simply raise your hand. As soon as I see it, you can put it down again. Is there anyone here who wants to do that? Okay. I don't see anyone, but uh, if, uh, if you could be so kind to me, and um, if you should have raised your hand, let's just pray all together, shall we? Lord Jesus, I confess I've been a sinner walking in my own way, doing my own thing. But I want to change that today. I want to invite you into my life. Help me to live like you lived. Help me to see you clearly. Help me to see the fullness that you have for me. Thank you that you're fully human. You're fully God. And you fully forgive my sins. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.